I want to start by just saying how much I love four kids and Tom and the team, and we've worked with them for many years. In fact, our church, by the way, is so neat, um, have fostered more kids uh, through them than any church in Palm Beach County. And so you guys are awesome. And I just think it's one of the most Christ-like things you can do is to open your home to a child in need and to help transform that, li- that child's life and be there for them. And so I just want to encourage you, God, put something on your heart. It, at least take a step, you know, at least have that conversation and you never know uh, where God would lead you. I remember our neighbors uh, were at a moment like this and they ended up fostering two uh, little boys and heard the story of the, where, what, the home they came from and everything they had walked through and, um, and then eventually they fostered them and adopted them and they were at our house all the time and um, the church just, you know, kind of went together and helped them and we'll help you in your process and what a, what a great privilege and opportunity. So I just want to encourage you, by the way, at both campuses, they'll be out in our lobby at the end, at least have a conversation to see what... God is leading. So, hey, with that being said, I'd love to welcome uh, our Boynton campus, of course, and everyone uh, from the church at home all over. As we are wrapping up a series that God just put in my heart, and I, and I hope it's been helpful for, to you. I know it's actually been helpful to me just walking through this in my own life, is we've been looking at a series on how to lead well. And the reality is really simple, right? The reality is that every one of us are leading. Every one of us are leaders. We're, we're leading something or someone. We're either leading our families, our children, our businesses, or by the way, ourselves, probably the most important person you'll ever lead, by the way, is you, that every one of us are leaders. And what we've been looking at is that, um, that we have been given this incredible power and ability by God to change the course of our lives and the lives of others by how we lead. That you have been empowered to overcome Come incredible obstacles and do amazing things that hinge on your leadership. And every one of us have seen this and experienced this. We've had great coaches that bring the best out of us. And we've had coaches that make you want to quit. We've had teachers that inspire you to, to learn. And you've had teachers that make you want to be a homeschool, right? Like you've had bosses that have helped you achieve everything that you can be and bosses that make you want to quit. You, like we've been, we've seen families that, that have been led well and that not. We've seen countries and companies and, and once again, you You've seen people that have led themselves well and they've had to hit all these obstacles and these struggles, yet they've overcome and their lives have just kind of skyrocketed into success in different arenas. And so the idea I want us to understand is that every one of us have this incredible power and ability to lead ourselves well, to change the direction and destiny of our marriages and our children and our family and our future and our companies and our ministries and all of these things that God has given you this incredible power. And so the heartbeat of this series has really been simple, that everyone leads, but not everyone leads well. And so I wanted to build this around giving you four principles that if you will apply this to your marriage, to your parenting, to your career, uh, to, to, to whatever it is, that these four principles are help you actually begin to lead well and alter the destiny of your life and the life of your family and business and all of these things. And so over the last three weeks, to kind of summarize all of this, we kind of looked at these three things. What First is, what do leaders see? What is, what is a good leader or someone leads effectively and well? How do they look at life? And here's what we see. They, they see how things are, and how things can be. They, they, they have an ability to see what's going on in reality. They're self-aware. They don't deny all their issues and the issues around them. At the same time, they don't stay in their problems. They begin to shift their focus to what God can do in them and through them. And they see the better future, the better you. They help other people see who they can become. And so there's this visionary aspect of a good leader. You have to help people. You have to encourage people actually get there and believe and understand that with God's help, they can do things. That's so important. See th- how things are, how they can be. Great leaders also do this. They, they help people see a better future 
future and create a path to achieve a better future. They're more than visionaries. If you want to be effective in leading, you got to give people the how. You got to give them the tools. You can't just tell your kids you can be anybody, anything you want to be in your life. It's not true. You can be almost anything if you will do this, that, and that. You know what I'm saying? There's a path to it. And so we've got to be able to go to our employees and go, you can be successful. And here are the steps that you can take. Children, here's how you can have a relationship with God. Here's the steps. Here's how this, we can fix our marriage. And here's the steps we can take. We got to give people the how. We got to create goals that are desirable, right? That they want. We got to t- make them achievable. They believe they can do it. We got to help them along the way. If you want to be an effective leader, you've got to spend as much time convincing people they can do it as you are explaining them how to do it. And we often miss this. And the last week we looked at this, um, who leaders are, is is that basically um, maybe the most important part of all of leadership is being a leader that people want to follow. And the, the way that you lead, not just through authority or position, but, but who you are. People see you and know you. And as they see you and know you, not the fake you, not the stage you, not the Instagram you, but the real you, they actually want to follow you. And so we talked about what that looks like. You need to value people. It, it, it can't be just about you. You have to actually want their success. You have to have integrity and character. And you gotta be an encourager and you gotta keep them accountable along this process. And the heartbeat is as you walk through these three things in your, in your leadership, It's going to help you be a better employee, a better CEO. It's going to help you be a better husband and father and wife and mother. It's going to help you be better in high school and build friendships and in teams. No matter what you do in life, as you apply these principles, you will help change the course of your life and the lives of others. Now, today as I wrap up the series, I want to talk about something like what leaders have to do. And the reason why I named it what leaders have to do is because today's something you're not going to want to do. In other words, all the other things are great. Oh, I want to be of character. I want to be a visionary. I want to be wise and develop strategies. And everyone's like, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. But today I want to talk about the, the, the part of leadership that everyone who's ever experienced success in their life will say amen to. But everyone who's looking for it will also go, this is the part of leadership that no one likes, that we don't want to talk about, that we wish, wish wasn't there. But it's an essential. It's the glue that holds it all together. And without this part, I just want to tell you something. That even if you do all of these three things, if you don't do the fourth part, I'm just going to tell you something right now, you probably won't actually be able to lead really well. You probably actually won't get to the goals and the dreams and the vision that God has given you and that God wants to help you take other people to. And here's the fourth and final part of how to lead well. And here's what it is. It's what leaders have to do. And that's fight, battle, persevere. You know why? Because leadership is hard. Can I just be like, you know what I'm saying? In other words, listen, I want you to hear this. That I've never met, I don't care how much you've prayed. I don't care how smart and wise you are. I don't care what kind of visionary you are. Listen to this. I have never met someone with a successful long-term marriage, successful business, successful soul, meaning they're healthy and they love well and they do this, successful family that hasn't had to fight to do it. Amen? Like you could ask anyone, you ask someone married 20 years and you could talk about all the strategy and all the prayer, but they will share with you there are things that they have to fight and battle. You talk to your boss, you talk to a C, you talk to anyone that's ever done anything in your life. And I'm just telling you something right now. They've all have had to fight. There is a level of tenacity that has to be a part of our lives. And by the way, this is what concerns me a little about this generation because sometimes what we've told them is you can be anything you want to be. You can do anything. The sky's the limit. Yeah, but what we leave out is, and there's a cost associated with it. 
And there's some perseverance that needs to be there. And so today what I want to do is I want to be real a little bit about your leadership. I want to, I want to kind of go, hey, yeah, we can do this. And I'm going to give you some tools to help you in your fight. But I want you to understand something that you're going to have to fight. That there are obstacles between who you want to be and where you want to be. And there are obstacles between who you want them to be and, and who they can be in your life as you're leading other people. There are spiritual obstacles. There's a devil. He is real. There is, there's a broken world obstacles. The people you're leading have come from broken homes. There's emotional obstacles. There's just the broken world type of obstacles. And there's a million things that are in the way between where you are and where you want to be and where they are and where you want to lead them to be. And that's your children and your family. And so what I want to do today is not just tell you, oh, you got to fight. Let's give you the tools to how to fight. But what I want you to understand is that this is just part of leading well. And you're going to see this like we've looked every week at the life of Nehemiah. You're going to see the same thing true in his life as well. See, Nehemiah is the story you've been looking at, one of the greatest leaders, if not maybe the greatest leader of all time. He accomplished one of the most amazing things. And one day as he was sitting in the palace in a foreign land, he was the cupbearer to the king. He was living well. Life was good. And someone from Jerusalem, his own people, he was Jewish, came to him. And they said, Nehemiah, the nation is just falling apart. And, and all of the walls that kept us safe and, and the gates that kept the, you know, the people out were basically burnt down. And, and robbers are coming in at night and they're pillaging the people. And the temple is corrupt and the leaders are corrupt and taking advantage of the people. And people have lost hope and they, they have no faith in the Lord. And education has fallen apart and poverty is running rampant. And people are living in this awful situation. And in the middle of hearing that, he began, God began to put something on his heart to go, hey, I need, God wants to use my leadership ability and his power to change a nation. And he goes to the king and he rallies the people. And in 52 days, he rebuilds the walls and the gates and the government and reestablishes the church. And he brings justice to the, you know, the people that were bringing injustice and helps the poor. And he changes a nation in 52 days. If you ever question the power of leadership and what you could do with God, read this story. Every leader Leaders should read this story. You should bring your teams through this story. There is so much wisdom in this story. And, there, and at the end of it, in 52 days, he celebrates and the nation has been restored. The people worship the Lord. And man, God is good and it's amazing. But here's what I want you to see that we often miss in all of this. Is I want you to see the battles that Nehemiah had to have. So we've talked about his character and his prayer. We've we talked about how wise he was and the strategies that he would develop at every stage. We talked about the integrity. People wanted to follow him because of who he was behind the scenes. We talked about all those things. But what we can't leave out in the story is that God didn't just call him to do it in the castle. And 52 two days later, he's sitting there just kind of sipping, you know, peanut coladas and watching people just build a wall. I want you to see the real story of what Nehemiah had to go through even though God had called them to do it. And here's what I say, I wanna encourage you. Because if you think your life is hard, you're not alone. If you think maybe God isn't in it because look at how hard this has been, I want you to see God could still be in it. If you think, if you think that somehow or another, like, oh man, woe is me, why is my life so hard, everybody else, so, like I want you to understand that this is just part of leading well. And you're, by the way, I could pick any Bible character I wanted to and you would see the same things over and over they had to battle to get where God had called them to be. And so I wanna start out the story and I want you to just begin to look at what Nehemiah had to battle. We're just gonna look at little snippets, each chapter, because I want you to see that Every step along the way of progress and, and victory and all that God was doing, he had to fight the entire time. Look at the story. We read, 
So, but when Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite, official, and Geshem, the Arab, heard about it, heard about them rebuilding the wall, they mocked and ridiculed us. What is this that you are doing, they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? And so what happens? Nehemiah is trying to do a good thing, right? And he's getting mocked. He's getting made fun of. He's being lied about as he's trying to do a good thing. Do you see what I'm saying? There are battles that have to be fought along the way, even though he's doing what God had called him to do. Next. So the next section was repaired. So he keeps on going. He pushes through. He doesn't give up by the men of Tekoa. But their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors, rich people. Right? So he's like, hey, I'm trying to build your nation. People are like, I'm not working for him. No, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, you mean John? I, I'm not under him. No, no I'm just going to sit back. I'm not going to do it. And, and it's like, could you imagine Nehemiah? It's like, like, I'm doing this for you. It's your business. Like, come on, I'm trying to help you. And they begin to create an attitude. So he gets resistance from the people he's trying to help. Parents are like, I know what that feels like. Here we go. Um, there we go. In other words, Tobiah the Ammonite who was at his side said, what are they building? Even a fox climbing up on it would break down the wall of stones. By the way, you ever been criticized for doing good? That, do you understand what I'm saying? You ever get discouraged because you're starting to make some changes in your life and your, your husband points out the one thing you haven't fixed and not the 20 things that you have? Don't raise your hand, by the way. <laughs> Be really awkward for all of us. But right, I'm saying, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I want you to see, he's doing a good thing. And along the way, there's this voice criticizing, what you're doing is insignificant. Look at all of your failures. It's not strong enough. What, you see what I'm trying? He's got to battle the critic in order to get to the victory. We continue to see what goes on. They all plotted together to come out and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble. People rallied around to make him fail at what he was doing, even though that he was doing was actually good. There was an enemy that was actually strategizing ways to get behind and make him fail. You see the battle he had to do. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out and there is so much rubble we cannot rebuild the wall. The people he's trying to help want to quit. Now remind me something, Nehemiah is not even living in the nation. He's living in a palace somewhere and the people he's trying to help are going, it's just too much work. I'm tired. It's been like 40 days of work right now and I, I just, I need a break. Like, do you understand how discouraging that is when you're giving up everything in your life to help somebody and they're like, man, uh, when, when, when is vacation? Like, like isn't there, there part of you that kind of walks in? No, it gets worse. It continues. Look at Now the men and their, and their wives raised a great outcry against their fellow Jews. Some were saying, we and our sons and our daughters are numerous in order for us to eat and stay alive. We must get grain. Now they're complaining about the diet, why they're once again rebuilding the wall to rebuild their own future and change their lives. They're complaining. Well, look what John did to me. I know you want to build a wall right now, but you see, this person was mean to me. And if you're Nehemiah, would you just build the stupid wall? Do you know what I'm saying? Anybody feel like that, by the way, in your life? And let's just be real. Like Nehemiah, he does. He actually pulls some dude's hair out. It's really cool. Maybe he shouldn't do that at work, but I'm saying we won't apply that. But I'm saying, like, he can, there's a part of him where he's, he's like, he's like trying to help these people and they're complaining and whining and it's too hard and it's difficult. And Nehemiah is battling and battling. But do you see how he's not quitting? You see how he's persevering? He's not, woe is me, where are you, God? You see, you understand the attitude that led to the success, this understanding, I've got to battle hard. And if we continue this, according to his reports, somebody begins to lie about him. Um, he says, you are about to become their king. And even have appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. So people started spreading rumors about him that were not true. 
They started saying things behind his back as if he was trying to build a nation for himself when it was not true. But he had to deal with people going online and saying things about them. We can continue. When he began to struggle with fear, look at this. He, he had been hired to intimidate me. So here's what happens. Um, somebody sent word to Nehemiah. Hey, a bunch of people are coming to kill you. So why don't you run to the temple and hide real quick? But see, God gave him discernment that what the person was actually doing was trying to get Nehemiah to go into the temple and hide so he could tell everybody that Nehemiah quit the work and he was basically protecting himself instead of being the kind of leader. And God revealed this though, look at this. He, this guy was hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this hiding and then they would give me a bad name to discredit me. Every step he takes, there's opposition. Every step it takes, the enemy tries to stop him from doing what God had called him to do and what God was going to let him do. And then the last one, I believe, is this. Um, um, this uh, Eliashib is the priest, by the way. It's the temple. Here I learned about the evil thing that the priest, the church did, uh, had done in providing Tobiah, which was an enemy of the Lord, a room in the courts of the house of God. And so what he discovers is that the, the church that he's rebuilding Right? The church that he built, rebuilt their gates and re was actually um, taking money and bribes from the evil people and giving them reports and actually fighting what he was trying to do. Okay? You, you ever been hurt, frustrated because the church wounded you? I want you to see this. See, Nehemiah is dealing with this very thing. Even the people in the church were fighting the work that God had called him to do. Are you starting to understand there's more to Nehemiah than prayer? and being smart, and being wise, and having of character. He had to battle. He had to fight. He had to bleed. It said from morning till night, he would actually pick up, and he had a sword in one hand, and a shovel in the other, and he had to work everything that he had to get to the goal and the dream, and I love this because after all of this, something so um, profound begins to happen is that they begin to celebrate, and all of these incredible things begin to happen, and they begin to have this just victory, and it's, this, it's, this, it's amazing, this victory, because he builds the wall in 52 days, and they're done, and all the people and all the enemies are afraid, and they begin to kind of go, wow, look at what God has done. And, and Nehemiah restores his reputation, and the nation is restored. All the walls are put in place. The gates return. The temple opens. Business comes back. Education comes back. Poverty is eradicated. Justice is brought in, and everyone begins to worship the Lord. Right? You ever wonder the power of leadership, by the way? It's, you read the end of the book. It's amazing. They begin to read the scriptures and, you know, repent towards the Lord. They weep and they party and they celebrate. And, and God used Nehemiah to change the entire nation and accomplish one of the greatest things that has ever been accomplished. But he had to fight. And yet there was this one verse that I read that kind of made me mad. And I want to see if this connects with you at all, or if this is just me, if it is, just bear with me. But there was this one verse that, that as I was reading through this, it just was like, that, I just don't like that. And, and let me just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the verse, and I'm going to explain this, because I, I want you to see if this maybe opens up a mindset that we might have in our lives that needs to be tweaked in this series. And here, here's the verse that it was. Here's it. This is Nehemiah talking, and he says this. I, this is right in the beginning before it all goes down. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. That means God and his people. Now I want you to understand this. Wait, wait, wait. Because what, what Nehemiah says is, I hear what goes on. God knocked on his heart and says, Nehemiah, 
I want you to leave this comfortable palace. You're eating the king's food. You're sleeping in, living in the king's palace, and life is good. And I want you to leave your comfort, leave your wealth, leave your food. I want you to go risk your life to ask the king. I want you to work sun up to sundown for 52 straight days. I want you to, your character to be attacked. I, I, I want your reputation to be attacked. I want you to have to get in physical fights. I want calluses on your hands. I want you to sweat and bleed. And I want you to spend 52 days rebuilding a city that you won't live in and go back to a castle. And what began to struck me when I heard this is, well, God, if you were in it and you were going to give him victory and you've got all the armies in heaven in the world, why did you make it so hard? Do you ever feel that? Like what began to hit me is I began to mad like, God, like, come on. Like you could have just sent an angels with him and, and just, they could have built together and you could have the wall done in a day instead of 52 days. Like, like when, 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 when the people were corrupt, you could have sent lightning down and just strike them and they're gone. I mean, like, seriously, like God, like why in the world? I want you to, I want you to process me. Like why in the world, God, would you call him to do it, equip him to get to the finish line and make him fight so much in between? And here's what began to hit me as I was processing this. It was a mindset that I needed to get shifted in my own life. And that was this, is that somewhere inside of me, I guess I believe that if it was good, and if it was of God, it actually should be easy. And then if it's good, and if God's in it, and he's with me, and he's all for it, and victory is there, that somehow or another, it should not be so hard. And what I realized in my life is how true that is. It's not true. And I want you to hear this. Because what I want you to understand, for those of you that are looking to lead something, whether it's a family, a business, yourself, I want you to see this. That this, this even though God is in it, even though God can give you victory, even though he's going to change that relationship, even though your future is over here and God's plans are you know, good, pleasing, even though all of these things are true, listen to this, that sometimes you still have to fight to grab hold onto of what God has for you in your life. And I think we don't talk to the, about this enough. I just don't. I think that sometimes in the church, we're like, oh, look what God did. Look what God did. But I'm just telling you something. God does great things and he fights and we're going to learn that. But here's what, you go ahead and I want you to ask somebody who's been married 20 years and has a great marriage. And you want you to ask them to, to tell you the truth. Ask them how much they fought to get there. You ask someone that's serving the Lord and, and been serving the Lord a long time and still has the heart for God and people, and you ask them the battles they've had to have in their own knees and their own heart and their own repentance and their own balance in order to be there. You ask any CEO or, or business leader, and they're sitting there, everyone sees the lifestyle and the money or whatever it is or the power, but you ask them what it was like to work all those hours and sacrifice all those things and take those risks and the weight they have carried. Every single night, they put their head on the pillow from the moment they've st started that business until today. In other words, we have got to understand that, that listen to this, that you're gonna have to fight. Like even though God's in it, even though God can give you a better future, change your life, change your marriage, you have got to fight. You've got to learn that you've got to do this in your life. If you want to get there, it's just part of life. You ask Moses, you ask King David, you ask Abraham, every spiritual leader, you look at Jesus and you look at the sacrifice and the work and the blood that had to be shed and the waking up early and some of the things that need to do. And I want to help you lead well. I want you to have success and character is important and vision is important and strategy is important. But man, you got to be willing to fight to experience it. Because listen to this. God promises we'll reap what we sow, 
but he never promises we'll reap what we sow in the same season. And sometimes you're gonna have to sow and sow and sow or battle and battle and battle in order to get to the victory. And I'm afraid that too many Christians and too many of us are walking through this life and we're just not prepared for it. And so it gets hard and we quit. This is what happens. And we never get to the finish line like we did with Nehemiah where the celebration and God is there and he's faithful. Not because God couldn't have done it. It's because somewhere along the line it got too hard and we quit. So here's what I want to do. That's the bad news. Here's the good news. Um, here's what I want to end this series on. Is I want to just give you two quick tools because life is hard. Lead, leading well is hard. Ba it's a battle. But I want to give you two tools we learned from Nehemiah to help you in your battle. So no matter where you are in your life, no matter what you want to accomplish, how close or far away, I want to give you two tools. There's actually three. Um, one of them is, is, is just strategy, wisdom. I'll just kind of throw this in as a bonus one. But right? in other words, that, that if you want to lead well, you got to find someone else that's already done what you're looking to do. Learn from them. Like don't, don't learn from all your own mistakes. That's a, like just fighting hard and not fighting wise doesn't get you very far, by the way. All right, so that's a little bonus thing. But here's the two things that I really want to focus in on today to help you lead well. Because here's the thing. Some of you are tired. Some of you are dealing with what I don't want. I read this going, I'm mad at God right now because it shouldn't be this hard. And, and you're weary. And I just want to encourage you. So let me give you some tools to give you some strength to get to that finish line and celebrate what God wants to do in you and through you. Amen? All right, here's, here's the first one. It's really quick, and we're gonna spend most time in the second one. All right, two people are excited. Here's the first one. Um, we need to learn to lean on friends. And here's what I mean. I know, that, I know this is like cliche, but it just, I just can't tell you how much it matters. Because of how hard leadership is, I think this is a mistake. We think we can do it on our own strength. We can't. Some of us think we can just do it on me and God. Remember, when God made Adam and Eve, when Adam in the garden, everything was perfect. He didn't even have these obstacles. And he says, it's not good for man to be alone, right? So we were not designed to be successful and overcome obstacles all by ourselves. And it's so important to understand this, that we need to lean on friends. Because it's hard, you can't do it alone. I love this verse. I think this is such a powerful verse. It says, though one may be overpowered, you're not enough. I want you to understand this. Every athlete that's here is trained for something. You train better with a coach. You do better with people around you. One may be overpowered. Two can defend themselves. That's great. Maybe it's a husband, it's a wife. You're great. But look at this. But a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Hey, the greater the community that's around you, the greater strength you have and the more, and the more likely you're gonna succeed. And here's what I'm saying. We don't prioritize relationships because we're so busy trying to achieve our goals because we think we can do it on our own and we don't realize how important it is to have be surrounded by men and women that are gonna help us when we're tired, encourage us, give us accountability when we drift. We need this. And Nehemiah lived it. Look at this. I want you to see this, right? He didn't get there alone and it wasn't all God. I put in charge, this is, this is him saying, I put in charge of Jerusalem, my brother Hanai, along with Hananiah, the, the commander of the citadel. But notice the character of who he surrounded himself with because he was a man of integrity and feared God more than most people do. In other words, that Nehemiah didn't fight all these enemies with just God himself. Nehemiah surrounded himself with godly people that feared the Lord, that had integrity. By the way, that could have had him and held him accountable if he started to drift. Men and women that could basically be trustworthy. And I'm just telling you, it is so important not just to be around a crowd, but be around people that can help you be the person that God wants you to be and accomplish what God wants you to accomplish. You can't do this alone. I'm just telling you, it's too hard. I, I remember a moment, I'll never forget it. It was probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in the last 20 years of my life. And um, I remember the night before I had to do this, um, I was stressed. My wife and I were just praying. It was just, it was a brutal night. And I'll never forget the night 
where we get a knock on our door, and I think it was like eight of our close friends just showed up unannounced. We're just here to pray for you. Like, like, listen, I know what you have to walk through tomorrow is gonna be hard, and so here's what I'm gonna do. We're, we're, gonna, we're gonna just battle for you because that's what friends do. And I just can't tell you how many moments like that through the last 19 years of ministry and 20-something years of life where, where I felt weak and tired and I felt discouraged and didn't feel like I could finish the race and the people around me would encourage and the people around who would believe in me or the people would hold me account, whatever that is, you can't do it alone. I'm just telling you, it's too hard. And here's the struggle we have. We get so busy, we don't prioritize relationships. We don't do it. I'm just gonna encourage you. Those of you that are working all the time and you're building this business, that's awesome, that's great, go do it, go change the world. But don't get so busy at work that you don't have a, a, an army of people that are close. You don't need an army, but a few people that are so close to you that they're there for you, that when you need them, they will be there. Don't wait till you need them to start investing in those relationships because they're not there. You need to invest in those relationships. That, that's the first thing I wanted you to see, right? Um, is, is that you need to, once again, lean on friends. But here's where I want to spend most of our time, and that's this. This is the second thing that he does. And that's this, depend on God. In other words, um, what I don't want to do is go, wow, leadership is so hard. And you're like, well, forget that. I'm just going to stay where I'm at. But, but here's what I want you to stand. I want you to see that you see Nehemiah's celebration, you see the hard work, you see the wisdom, the strategy, the character. But what I also want you to see, and I'm gonna show you these verses, is the pattern he had in his life to always run to God. That, that, that he didn't do this alone. It wasn't just his strategy and his wisdom and his fighting, that there was, that he learned that he needed God's power and, and the armies of heaven and God's strength to accomplish. And I want you to see this pattern in his life, right? Because this is what we all want. Like, I don't know what your wall is or what your issue, but we all want to sit, look back, go look at the family that God let me lead. Look at the business that God, look, look, look at the person that God helped me become. Look at the impact and significance of my life. Like everyone wants to get to the finish line and celebrate, but I want you to see that in the fights and in the battles, how much Nehemiah didn't rely on his own strength, but focused on his relationship with God. He, he leaned on friends because sometimes they can let you down, but he depended on God, and I want you to see this pattern all the way from the beginning. Look at this. The moment he found out there was a need and he felt the urge to do something about it. For some days, Nehemiah says, I mourned and what? Fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. The first place he went was, God, I'm gonna fast. Why? Because I believe that your power is necessary to accomplish this task. And I want you to understand this. Why? Because he didn't just pray. Fasting is a lifestyle it's giving up things for a season going, I'm seeking you, Lord. Because he understood, and Jesus told us this, that there are just some mountains that can't be overcome or obstacles can't be broken free unless we pray and fast. And so what did Nehemiah understand? Hey, I've got this dream and this vision. We all have these dreams and visions. I can't do it without fasting. I can't do it on my own strength. I know how God works. I need armies of angels. I need God's favor and blessing and strength. And I know how to get it. And I'm gonna get on my knees and fast and pray to achieve it. Amen? Amen? Here's the question. When's the last time you fasted for your obstacle? Man, that got quiet. <laughs> the joy of conviction. Next one. Here we go. <clears throat> so when people came against him and accused him, are you rebelling against the king, acting like he was trying to break away from the king that gave them the authority to do this, which he was not? I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. Do you see the pattern? 
It's just, it's like God, every step, God, you're there. And we continue, look at this. Um, Hear us, O Lord, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. People have coming against them. They're discouraged and they're beat up and they feel like they're not winning. And then I love what he says. Hey, God, you fight my battle for me. Give them over as plunder. He gets a little bit, you know, angry here. In a land of captivity, do not cover up their guilt. What do he say? Kill them, God. <laughs> Take them out. Maybe don't pray that one. But I want you to get the principle. What does he do? God, I feel broken, but I want you to bring justice. I'm not going to fight for myself. We continue this, and here we go. They all plotted together to come and fight against, against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God. And by the way, the Bible tells us that he thwarted their, their plans, that Nehemiah did his part, but God actually fought the battle, some of the battles for Nehemiah. We continue, and we go. They were all trying to frighten us. He's battling fear. I can't do it. I'm not good enough. He goes, their hands will get too weak for the work, and they will not be completed. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands, and God strengthened his hands hands. And I want us to see this pattern over and over and over again. What do you see? It's a lifestyle. In other words, I want to honor God in my character because that matters. I'm going to honor God in how I treat people because that matters to God. I want to honor God with fasting. I want to honor God with prayer because I understand that I'm not strong enough as a leader, smart enough, powerful enough, wise enough, good enough to get to this finish line. The task is too great. The enemies are too real. I need God. So my whole life, I'm going to learn to not just lean on friends, but to depend on God. Now, Here's what I want us to see, because there's this last verse that I think is so, um, and, and so, so important that we need to, to get, and that is after Nehemiah gets to the finish line. And I love this moment because Nehemiah is, is one of the greatest leaders of all time. He rebuilds the city walls and the gates to keep all of the enemies out. He restores the nation. He brings back God. He brings back education. He brings justice to the poor. And all of the people are gathering together once again, celebrating the victory and they're worshiping the Lord and they're cheering and they're feasting. And Nehemiah is the hero that once again, everybody wants to be, accomplishes all these amazing things. And after this, there's this verse and this statement that I want us to understand that you need to get and it comes to leading well. And for those that are tired, and some of you that are struggling, you need to understand this. And here's what Nehemiah says after it's all done. And notice what he acknowledges. When all of our enemies heard about this, the walls were completed, that God came through, that all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the, what's this word? Help of our God. In other words, listen to this. Nehemiah didn't accomplish it alone. But here's what I really want you to see. But neither did God. God didn't build the wall. He didn't pick up a single hammer. Did he do things? Absolutely. He gave favor. He gave him wisdom. He thwarted the enemy's attack. He revealed what's going on. I'm sure there were some angelic battles we didn't see. But here's what I want you to see. That God helped Nehemiah. He didn't do it for Nehemiah. And we need to understand this is so important because like, it's one thing to go, Nehemiah did it without God. No, 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 no. But it's another thing to say, well, God did it without Nehemiah. And we need to understand how important it is that this principle that I got from this, which was that, you know what? We just got to get this. Here's what we need to understand. And this is this, listen to this, that God rarely fights your battles for you, but God always fights your battles with you. 
And what did Nehemiah understand from this is, yeah, God was fighting for him, but he still had to pick up the, the sword in one hand and the shovel in the other. He still had to work from dawn till dusk. He still had to battle and overcome all these obstacles. He never had to do it alone. But once again, God helped him. God fought with him, but God didn't fight for him. And sometimes I think this is so important. Because sometimes what happens in our, in our lives is we love to say things like, oh, you know what, God changed my marriage and leave out all the things you did in your marriage along with God to change your marriage. Or God blessed my business and we leave out the fact that, yeah, but you also honored God in your business. You have to, in other words, what happens is we leave out our role of leadership in what God does in our lives. And I'm just here to tell you, listen, you need to lead well. What you do matters. And by the way, what God does matters. But God is probably not going to let you just sit back and change your life. You're going to have to do your part because he battles with you, not for you. And let me, let me just give you a quick example. I want, I want, I want, you, to sh I want you to see this. And this is it. And I'm gonna read this first. Don't get mad at me. I'll just, I'll, you'll know why I say that in a moment. Just give me a minute before we're going to bring out the S word here in church. It's awkward. Okay, it's not, it's not Mother's Day, so don't get mad. Here we go. See, wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior. This is not about marriage. I'm gonna explain this. Don't get mad. I can always feel the eyes and just, just. Okay, here we go. Uh, they can be won over what? By the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and the reverence of your lives. Now listen, I know it's not about submission. I know that like the big S word here. I know that we have misused that in the church, right? And we leave out the other side of that, that, that it's mutual submission and that husbands were to love your wives like Christ loved the church. And he laid his life down for the church, right? He died, he washed the church's feet, he served them. So I, listen, I'm, it's not, that's not the focus, okay? I get that. Please just tune out, forget the S word, okay? Here's what I want you to focus on. Because by the way, the same thing's true with men. It says, God says that he hinders the prayer of the husbands that don't like, love their wives. But here, here's, the, here's the heart I want you to see. There, there's a person that wants to change their marriage. There's a person that wants to change a person, wants to lead well. And notice what God is saying to them. It isn't just about prayer, is it? It isn't that you go, oh, you want them to change. I'm gonna sit back and pray, write little notes of what they need to change. And God, you do your part. What does God say to them? Hey, listen, hey, it's your behavior. Hey, I, I will fight with you, but I'm not gonna fight for you. Yeah, I, I, when you pray, I will begin to soften her heart or his heart, right? This is not about a man or woman. I'm just talking about in general, your children. You can use this principle with anything. What I want you to see is what is God's word teaching us? Hey, I'm not gonna fight for you, but I'll fight with you. And if you will do your part, I'll do my part. You see the, you see that heart of that? You see what we leave out? And, and so often in our lives, like, God, I want you to bless, bless my business, right? I want, you to, I want you to bless my business and I want you to do this great thing. And God's like, great. So are you honoring me with your business? Are you, are you treating your employees with integrity? Are, are you tithing like to the kingdom that you're asking to bless you? Do you going? Are you balancing your family and your business right in the right way? Do you track, like, yeah, it's great. God wants to do it, but we got to do our part. Hey, listen, I got, I want you to change my heart. I want you to change my soul. I want you to give me more joy and peace. Awesome. Would you change what you bring into your mind? Would you shut off Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, whatever your thing is, romance novels, ESPN, and, and fill yourself with my word that brings peace? You, you want me to bless you? Okay, will you, will you take that sin you're holding on to and you won't repent? Will you release it to me so that times of refreshing may flow into your life? 
In other words, the idea is that it's not you're alone. Please hear this. Listen, God, God, God battled so much for Nehemiah. God, Nehemiah couldn't have done it without Nehemiah. God couldn't, excuse me, Nehemiah couldn't have done it without God. We need God. God is awesome. He's powerful. He can move miracles and knock down walls. I've seen it in my own life, but it's not an excuse for you not to do your part. And just because God's in it doesn't mean you're not gonna have to fight with everything that you have to get to the other side. It just means that when you're fighting whatever you have, that God's gonna give you strength when you're weak. He's gonna give you power when you don't have it. He's gonna do things that you couldn't do, but you still got to do it. See, I, I was thinking about this because I was actually thinking about my own life. And I, and I, and I, was, I was thinking about the church. And I was thinking about like so many people, like sometimes we're going through, we go, look at what God has done. Look at what God has done. And by the way, God has done this. Don't, don't remember. Like the building you're standing in is a miracle from the Lord. I had nothing to do with it. Some guy walked in and said, I'll loan you this money at two and a half percent interest. We walked into this building for no money down and $10,000 a month. That is God. That is not my leadership. Like, so I, I don't want to deny or make for a moment that God didn't do anything. Somebody handed us our Boynton campus. Here's, here's a multi-million dollar building. So like, I'm, I, I, for every moment, I want you to hear that we could never be here without God. God is amazing and we could never, we're not that good, I'm not that good. But, but here, listen to this, listen to this. But it doesn't mean I've had, not had to bleed in the last 19 years. And it doesn't mean I've had to push myself beyond what I thought I could ever handle or accomplish. And this is what this is what we leave out, and I'm not saying this to be a. Pit. I just want you to understand. I, sometimes you see this, you see my life, you see my my boys that are mostly good some of the time, and you, you see my marriage, you see this ministry. Sometimes you see even a business, and you go, "Wow, look look at what Scott has." And, and I have God's blessed me, but but I, I want you to see the other side that I don't share. Like I, I want you to see that every leader would tell you this. Like I'm not. I, I want you to see the fact that one of my greatest fears is rejection. By the way. Right? And, and public speaking was right underneath it. And when God knocked on my heart to start this church, I had no experience. I never really spoke in public in my life one time to a couple kids, and that was it, never. And I was terrified. And, and, and so God had me walk out into a, a group of people on the first day of the church and had me, um, I had a panic attack the night before, by the way. Never had one in my life before or since. But that, that, I want you to see what I had to push through that you might not see to go do what God had called me to do. And I had to stand up there and be awful as a teacher because I just didn't know. And like anything, you have to refine and work at it. And then I had to have half the church leave. <laughs> Ultimate rejection. God called me to do it. But Scott, you still got to walk through this. You, you don't see that I work six days a week for 10 years of my life or more. Six days a week to build this. Now, when I had kids, I knew that had to change because you cannot work six days a week and have a healthy family and have a happy marriage and children. You can't do it. So I just want to challenge you. If you have to choose between getting here in the corporate ladder or here in the corporate ladder and having a healthy family, choose your family. But I'm just telling you something. Listen to this. For 10 years, God took everything from me to do this. For 10 years. I, I had to fight learning disabilities, by the way. So I spend, just some of you don't know, 20 or 25 hours a week just on these messages to stand up so I can memorize them and walk out and have conversations and not just sit here and read, read a book and not connect with you guys. So I want to give my best to the Lord. And so, you know, I have ADD, <laughs> squirrel, like, you know, and, and, and so I'll sit at a computer and it is torture every week, 20 plus hours to study and pray and prepare to walk out and honor God and hopefully help, help you guys learn about the Lord. I, I've had, um, I've had friends betray me. 
Like I found out things behind the back. People were literally were trying to divide the church and, and say things about me. I've had people lie about me. And I've had pastors come, oh, I heard this about, what do you mean? I wasn't even there. I don't even know that person. Like, it's like, I've had absolute, my, my character has been assassinated in, in an attack. Even getting in this building, people were like complaining, what do they need two churches for? And it's like, it's just amazing to see that. I, I've, um, I, I've had to overcome fibromyalgia. Like, like I'm in pain a lot. Um, I, I know what it's like. Many, what's, you don't know this on Easter, but just to stand Easter, I had to take uh, eight Advil and four strength Tylenol and 250 milligrams of caffeine. And they still almost had to have put a table out here because I couldn't stand up. You can watch the video, you won't see it. But for the next two days, I could barely get out of bed after it. But I'm, you see what I'm saying? But you see, like God had called me to do it. It's not, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying, I want you to see what it took to have all these people being impacted. Is it, yeah, God moved, but there were some things that God, I had to push myself beyond what I could do. I want you to see this. I know what it's like. Listen to this. I know what it's like to fight for my marriage. And in the early part of the church, it wasn't going good. And I had to stand up here not knowing if we were going to make it, what was going to happen. And we're in counseling and battling and forget. Like, I want you to see how hard. You just see my wife and I, we're like happy now. You, you got to see the, you got to see the brutal parts. We're living on separate sides of the house and barely talking and fighting for everything we have to push, to believe, to, to believe, to change, to transform, to get to the marriage that we have today. Like, you guys got to understand there's more than what you see on Instagram. You gotta see what it's like to battle, not feeling good enough. By the way, most leaders, like there's times you look, oh man, look at all that God's doing. Then I'll see another church that is better and go, man, we got so much room to go. Like you don't see some of the hard things that we've had to push through and walk through and we just gotta understand something. Listen to this. God has been so faithful we couldn't have done it without it. But I want you to understand that what you're experiencing is also not just mine, but a lot of people's sacrifice to make this happen and, this, and this, this take place. My wife, one of those people who's had to sacrifice a lot to experience this. And I know this because there's been times in my life where just like me and my life, like for you guys, I don't, I don't take a salary. This is like volunteer stuff for me. And there's been moments in my life where I'm like, God, come on, like you called me to do this? I don't even take anything from it. And now it's been hard. Like, and even last year, I shared this for everybody. God knocked at our heart and asked us to give the biggest gift we've ever given to the church. And I'm like, God, we already give our salary back. And, and it's like, you know, we're, we're fine. Like, we're retired. We have enough to live for the rest of our life. But if we give this gift, what, like, this is going to take the, the cushion away. And yet we did it. And nine months later, after doing it, we're talking about having to sell our house because now we can't make it. And I just want you to see this. Now, since the last few months, God blessed us in an amazing way. Actually, we'll talk about this in the giving message like four times what we gave. And it's, wow, what an amazing thing. But here's what I want you to see that. Like, I want you to see that God even knocked my heart to sacrifice and to be obedient 19 years in. And I say this because some of you are, are looking at other people's lives and going to wish what they had. But my question is, the same God lives in you, but are you willing to do what it takes to get there? Because God will give you the strength. His wisdom, His power is there. I, I Listen, I'm not talking about building. It might even be overcoming your fear and finding peace. Like, I don't know what it is. I just want to tell you something. You got to understand that. You got to fight. In fact, I was thinking about this, and I'm running late, so I got to end quick. But I was thinking about this this week, and I was like, God, you know, just reliving all the pain. It wasn't fun, but, you know. Um, and I left out 90% of it, by the way. But I'm going to ask myself this question. Here's the question I ask. Like if God came to me today, knowing everything it's cost, everything I've sacrificed, and I go back 19 years ago and God revealed all of it, and he said, Scott, do you wanna do it, yes or no? And he gives me the choice. Do you know what I would say? Absolutely, yes. 
I wouldn't, I, 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 God, I'd be mad if you chose someone else to do this. But, but what about all the, yeah, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. But listen, I, I don't want to also leave out all the rewards, right? I don't want to leave out what it's like to experience how many lives have been transformed and to be at lunch or dinner and go, hey, the church changed my life. The church saved my marriage. Hey, my kid is walking with Jesus. Or see our student section praying and weeping over each other and seeking the Lord with all their heart. Or, or your boys being the growing up in a community that you love and value. As student pastors, you love and value pouring in and shaping them or, or just seeing what God's done in my own faith and my walk. And so what convicted me or encouraged me at the end of it is yes it's hard yes God is faithful yes it requires a faith leading well is hard but here's what I want you to see as we close this series this is that the reward for leading well is greater than the cost of leading well no matter how much that cost is can I tell you something the reward is better in fact I will say this the cost of not leading well is always greater always greater than the cost of leading well as well it is like working working on my marriage was hard humbling myself, acknowledging I needed to change one thing. Joke. That's hard. But divorce has been a lot harder. You see, like, yeah, yeah, feeling, battling your insecurities and rejection and all that, it's tough standing on stage. Like people go, you suck, I'm leaving. You know, that's not fun. But, but, but missing out on my purpose and calling, you, you see, like sometimes what I say to this, sometimes we go, I don't, sometimes you can leave this. This is my concern. Oh, this is too hard. I'm not going to start. Can I tell you something? It will be harder if you don't lead well. Because you will spend your life from battle to battle to battle to battle instead of from battle to battle to battle to victory. And I'm just telling you, it is always going to be harder when you don't choose to fight for whatever it is. If it's overcoming your past, get into a freedom group. If it's in your marriage, we're gonna sit down and we're gonna work it out and we're gonna battle and let's see how we're gonna make this better. If your kids are walking through a hard time, we're gonna sit down, we're gonna pray, but we're gonna battle to figure it out. Your, your, your company's going through something. We're gonna, listen, the reward for leading well is greater than the cost of leading well. Remember, you are not alone. So learn, listen to this, to depend on God, right? And, and, and lean on friends. And I want to give you one verse as we close, and this is it. Let us not become weary in doing good, leading well. For in the proper time, this is your promise, you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. Amen. Hold on to that when you're in the in-between. Let me pray for you. Father, I just lift up everyone here that we're all leaders. God, give them the strength to lead well. May they understand they might have to fight, but they will never fight alone, that you are fighting with them. God, surround them with an army of people that will encourage them and support them. And may you lead them to become everything that you've created them to be. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.